And I think it's more like, let's go into it more like an anthropologist or more like a scientist yeah. and say, and say, hey, let's go with without any preconceived notions and say, like, what is really working? You know, what is not working and what's not, what are we not sure about? And by the way, it's okay to not be sure about 80% of things at the, the beginning. You know, th those lead to follow-up questions like, okay, what do we need to measure so I can be more sure about those things? You're listening to Digital Conversations with Billy Bateman, the demand gen leader source for the latest revenue strategies presented by ChatFunnels. All right, everybody. Welcome to the podcast today. As always, I am Billy Bateman, your host. And today I'm joined by the one and only William Tyree, CMO at Revenue.io. How you doing, man? I am always better when I'm talking to you, Billy. So uh, <laughs> it's great to see you. Yeah, good to see you, man. Good to see you. I'm, I'm excited we can do this. You guys just uh, just rebranded, and uh, that's exciting, and uh, congratulations on that. Um, so we'll give you a chance to talk about that, but before we talk about the rebrand, let's talk about you. Um, for those people that don't know who you are, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and your career, how you got to where you are as CMO. Sure, absolutely. You know, I, I think like a lot of people in marketing, I didn't go to school for that. I never dreamed I would be probably in technology. Actually, you know, I, I just wanted to be a novelist. And I thought that the fastest path to do that would uh, to be a university professor. And, you know, I imagine I'd have like all this time in the summers to write these great books. Um, and I actually started down that path. I taught at the university level uh, for about six years spent three of those years in Flagstaff, which is like not that far from where you are geographically. Wow, yeah. And, uh, and, and I loved it. It was great. But then um, I got stuck on one of those university committees, uh, you know, where I was, you know, everybody's got to do it, where yeah. I was editing a linguistics journal. And I was just like, why am I here? What am I doing? Am I wasting my <laughs> life? And, uh, and so just to make it interesting for myself, I decided to digitate it. So it was like a digital transformation project for, you know, all these linguistics uh, fans around the world. And um, anyway, I, I just came home one day and I had only been married for a year. I told my poor wife, I was like, I know you thought you were marrying a professor, but uh, I actually think I, I want to be in MarTech. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what's that? And so, but, but, but thankfully she was understanding. We're still married all these years later. And, um, and, and, you know, honestly, it was that one crazy, horrible university committee that threw me into digital transformation. And I, from there, I kind of, you know, like a lot of people in marketing, I started, you know, as a, as a content manager, as a copywriter, writer, worked my way up at agencies, you know, working client projects and things like that just, you know, gradually kind of, you know, worked my way up into kind of management, uh, you know, deploying, you know, marketing automation and building out workflows and stuff like that. And then, you know, w one day, uh, you know, I, I got lucky. I hooked up with, uh, you know, the folks at, at revenue.io, formerly Ring DNA, And, um, and, you know, just, it was one of those kind of very hands-on, you know, two people marketing departments with zero budget. And, you know, the great thing about that is you really get to learn a lot. And, and, uh, and, you know, it just, for me, it's just about constant learning and trying to make an impact. Awesome, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, we all have, I think we all have those moments where like, is this really what I want to do for the right. rest of my life early on in your career? For most people, I think early in their career, like you start doing something, you're like, 
actually, I don't think this is really what I, I want to do. And, right. Uh, like my wife, we got when we were dating, I was working in commercial real estate and uh, I went back to school and the plan was go back in and, and, you know, just keep moving up the ranks there. And I realized I don't want to do that. And so we went down this whole tech and, and marketing path. And uh, my wife was pretty cool. She was like, yeah, if you're not happy, like, let's do something else. So. That's awesome. I know. Look at you now. I mean, you've, you know, you're a marketing expert. You've got this awesome podcast and you're, you're an ops expert too. You probably would never would have picked that out in a million years. No, no, not at all, man. So, so tell us about, uh, you know, used to be ring DNA now revenue.io. Um, yep. tell it for those that don't know about what you guys do, like give us the rundown and, and what's new at, at revenue.io. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, the short story is, you know, we optimize high-performing teams with, you know, real-time guidance. Um, I think that, you know, uh, you know what, what sales teams, CX teams, marketing teams, they, they use our platform for customer engagement. And then what we do is, you know, we capture all the engagement data, we analyze it, and then we surface and recommend what works best in, you know, key moments. So, like, examples of that are... Um, you know, let's say that you're a sales rep and, you know, you're, you're an SDR, hardest job in America, I think. Right. And you're, you you know, you're, you're pounding the phones and, you know, you get somebody on and they ask you a really tough question about a competitor. Uh, You know, the, the revenue.io will, will actually, you know, recommend what to say, you know, it'll pop some battle cards some talking points, uh, you know, in real time, same thing for, you know, any kind of sales objection. So, you know, in, in those kind of that, that kind of advice can be tailored toward, you know, conversations along the, the opportunity pipeline, you know, it's all different for every path, every business. Um, but then I th- also think just, you know, other example is say you are a sales manager and you're trying to figure out how to coach your team. You know, it's, it's next best actions just throughout your day in terms of, Hey, you might want to pay attention to this or to that, or, you know, here's somebody who's really crushing like a benchmark that they put in front of them, uh, you know, pay attention to this. So um, just really what we're trying to do is is eliminate guesswork and uh, and, you know, just reveal what works. I love it, man. I love it. You know, SDR, I agree. It is extremely tough job. Even being an AE, not not an easy job to right. do at all. Like when other people are like, man, why do they ease have such this big upside on earning it's like well you go do that job and you you can right. you, know, you can make it so so i love yeah. it man so we what I, we wanted to talk about today we we had a few different ideas but but the one we really liked was how do you make data-driven decisions that influence revenue as the marketing team like like we all know hey if you don't produce the leads sales is not going to be happy they'll be the first ones to let you know you know, the leads are no good or there's not enough, but how do you use data to really, really make the decisions that are going to influence revenue, not just the leads? Because we can get really short-sighted, I think, in just, oh, we got to produce X number of leads, but, you know, are they the good leads? Um, so I'm going to just leave it to you for a minute. And, you know, this is your your philosophy on what we can do. And what do you think or where do we start with that? Yeah, you know, I think that my 
my answer to that, it, by the way, it's an awesome question. And I think my answer to that question would probably be slightly different. Almost like every couple of years you would have asked me over the last decade. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think one of the really significant things is that, that, that anybody entering marketing now doesn't have to deal with is, is like a war between sales and marketing in a B2B environment. Uh, if you kind of look at, I mean, we're, we're really in what I'm, what most people are calling a RevOps era right now, yeah. where people are like, you know, hey, how can I make it so that marketing sales and success uh, really kind of focus as one entity? Essentially, that's just all going to the same goal because it's it, life is better for everybody when you're operating that way. If you're all looking at the same data, it's better. Um, and, and, you know, it just makes all the sense in the world for efficiency. And, you know, the, the data pretty much proves out that even if you're organized like that, um, you know, from a, from a company standpoint, you know, with the common targets, common goals that you tend to do better. So, so I think that's great. Um, but I mean, let's talk about a couple specific examples. I, I, and, and I really think it's all about those kind of insights and sharing those, um, I run a super transparent program. So, you know, every two weeks, the, you know, the, the marketing team, most, most people in the marketing team, they'll present a couple slides and it's an open meeting where anybody from the company can show up. And, and, you know, I, I think that a lot of people that that might sound like a nightmare, <laughs> but, yeah. but it, it's actually kind of amazing. Cause what we do is I make sure like our head of RevOps is there. Uh, our, our, you know, the SDR director is there, you know, our, our VP of sales is there and they're all there. And it's cool because yes, we're presenting, um, what we're working on, but the good news is we're presenting, um, you know, common goals, right? Hey, here's a campaign we're all working on, you know, here's some operational steps that we're all working on. Sometimes it gets really wonky, Billy, like, it's like, Hey, you know, the MQL definition, we worked together to redefine it. So our lead quality would be higher. Yeah. And like to, today, actually, it was one of those things where in that meeting, I said, hey, look at this. It looks actually like the ratio of marketing qualified leads to, to you know, meetings. It has actually like improved by double digits since we made a couple changes. And those people are all in that meeting so that we can all then like say, well, why do we think, you know, what do we think is making that impact? We can kind of look yeah. at the data. So I think part of it's transparency and part of it is just, is actually having like the data that you all share. So you have a common view of what's going on. I, I agree with you on that, you know, so we, we don't do a dedicated marketing meeting, but every week marketing sales, customer success, we all share our metrics and anyone can ask questions and, uh, Sometimes the questions, I'm like, wow, I would have, I would have never thought to ask that question. And you just get a new set of eyes and you got anyone in the companies there and, and they all have different questions. You know, the engineers, sometimes they'll ask the the best questions and they're not even marketers, you know? So completely. So let me ask you this, which metrics and, and what kinds of data do you like to look at that you found at least, you know, like 10 years ago is probably different than now, but in the last year or two, what have you found? Like, I need to look at these numbers to really have a good idea of, are we driving success? Yeah. Um, I think that, that one thing that's super important for us is actually, um, segmentation in terms of business size. 
So for example, I, I know almost every B2B marketer is like looking at how much pipeline they're driving, how many qualified opportunities they're driving. Um, you know, for us, I think we figured out certain things with the business in terms of sweet spots of, of company sizes that we want to be selling to. Yeah. And so for us, it's like, yeah, great. We drove pipeline, we drove some deals, but you know, what, like what size are those deals? Like, you know, is there a correlation between all the way down to the kind of the lead level versus the meeting level and the, and the opportunity and then close revenue? Like, is there consistency throughout and really kind of looking at those, you know, the, 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 the size of business we're driving and the size of the opportunities. So that's a really big one that is not important to every business, but I think it's, I think it's, it's a really good thing to pay attention to. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like the ultimate extension of where you start marketing, which is looking at personas. Yeah. You know, what's our ideal customer, but then be able to kind of track that with metrics all the way through is really powerful. Yeah. I think a lot of us, you know, we have these personas like this is our ideal customer, but when you get down to the data, like who actually turns into your customers, like, do you actually have it right? Is something I always, I always, like, even with our own data, I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, I think we, I think we have it right. But uh, I see some outliers, you know, <laughs> that they don't, they don't check the boxes we were talking about, you know? It, you know, you're totally right. And, and look, sometimes those outliers can be really illuminating. I think like I've been in a couple situations where you see outliers and sometimes it's fool's gold. Because sometimes yeah. people get excited and they're like, oh my God, like, you know, we just closed all these deals in manufacturing or whatever it is, right? You know, let's marshal resources toward that because it's another certain market. And sometimes that's really a great thing to discover. It's ultimately kind of a team decision. Um, on the other hand, sometimes you're right. They, the outliers can, can you know, uh, kind of can kind of prove you uh, your strategy right or wrong either way. Once you kind of look at it long term. Yeah. So it sounds like company size, when you guys segment, you arrived at that as a huge indicator, probably maybe one of your top indicators. How did you get to that where you realized it's not necessarily industry or age of the company or location? It's really company size that we got to we got to dig into and, and tailor things to. You know, I, I think that there's um, um, again, every business is different. But I think that um, that that for us, there's a huge uh, part of 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 being able to sell into companies with a at least a reasonably mature operations team, right? And and that's because I think it's value. It's about value. I mean, like when one of the things that people really like about about Revenue.io is that like if your goal is to give, you know, your entire company a, a common view of the customer and be able to say like, Hey, we had engagement with uh, a support rep over here with that customer. I need to make sure that marketing on this is on the same page and be able to create sort of predictable, you know, predictive insights on those kind of things. Yeah. But I think for operations, uh, uh, people are really going to kind of appreciate it. So I think, I think for us, it's just about kind of looking at, who do we make impact for beyond just like the obvious? Yeah. Who, who, and for me, like, that's amazing because operations people like in most B2B organizations, those are the real heroes. 
that are really kind of like making everything possible, making everything happen in this kind of data, you know, first world. So for us, it's really like, hey, what, you know, what's a reasonably mature company look like in certain industries where um, the people who actually like are, are owning your product can really kind of appreciate it. Um, so, so for us, that was, that was a really big, um, you know, decision point. I like it, man. I like it. So what advice do you have for anybody that's like maybe new to a role on a marketing team? And they're like, okay, like I have some data, who knows how good it is, but I have some, um, what am I going to, how am I going to use this to make decisions on, do we focus on content or, you know, paid search or just some classic email and demand gen? Um, what advice do you have for anybody trying to get more in this data-driven mindset if they're not already there? You know, I, I think the first thing is really basic, which is divorce yourself from the idea that you're going to use the data to tell a story internally. Okay. So, for example, I think that um, that that's one of the common mistakes I see from maybe, you know, early career marketers is they're looking for, it's almost like they're in high school or college and they're writing an essay and they're looking for like evidence that the story's adding up, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I think that that's, that's one of those things where it's really hard to get away from that. But, but it, what it gives us is it gives us optimism bias. And I think it's more like, let's go into it more like an anthropologist or more like a scientist yeah. and say, and say, hey, let's go in with, without any preconceived notions and say, like, what is really working? You know, what is not working? And what's not, what are we not sure about? And by the way, it's okay to not be sure about 80% of things at the, the beginning. You know, th those lead to follow-up questions like, okay, what do we need to measure so I can be more sure about those things? Yeah. I love it, man. Yeah, I think, I think you're 100% right. A lot of us, we are like, okay, here's the story we're going to tell. Let's find the data and we may adjust the story a little bit depending on what the data tells us. So how do you, and I think it's human nature. Like we want to tell stories. That's, that's yeah. what people do. Right. Um, how do you get in that mindset of like an anthropologist when you've got this data? Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think there's a kind of a basic questions list essentially is, is like saying, okay, you know, like, you know, what does this appear to show, you know, what, what, what might it show, you know, and what can we, what can we learn from this, yeah. you know? And, and, and then I, I think there's also a consult consultation with other people. And this is what we were talking about earlier about having some really good partners, you know, across other departments, you know, hopefully, you know, ops team or, you know, uh, analysts around the company or, or sometimes even finance can be an unlikely uh, uh, seeming partner. Yeah. Somebody, you know, if you've got a controller you trust or a VP of finance you trust and say, hey, I just love you to take a look at this and see what conclusions they draw. Because, you know, you were saying before that sometimes like developers with their mindset, they yeah. typically have a more scientific mindset. Sometimes they have some of the greatest questions or greatest recommendations. Yep. I think it's really kind of, saying, look, we're the creative, you know, often we're the kind of the creative folks that kind of like then got into science, you know, yeah. um, trying to look at like consult some of those more numbers first people and see what conclusions they draw. I, I think that's a great way. And then gradually we kind of get trained as marketers to be a little bit more like them. And 
then hopefully you're you get kind of this ambidextrous brain going where you've got the creative and the analytical kind of going back and forth all the time. Yeah, I I love the idea of bringing somebody in who's not even in marketing or sales and just saying, okay, here's what I've got. What do you think's working or not working, or or what do we find out of this? I love that idea. Oh man, that's a good one. So before I let you go, William, is there any question that I should have asked you, but I didn't about this. Oh gosh, I don't know. I, I'm 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 more curious to ask you a question, which is like, okay. You know, yeah, ask me a question. I mean, I mean, you, you've had a long career. Like, what are some of your favorite kind of insights that you try to draw from data that to try to make you know things go 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 better in a B two B organization? Yeah, um, that is a good question. I think some of the thing I like what you're talking about, like bringing in people that are not really close to the situation and not necessarily a stakeholder when you're unsure what to do is, is really good. Like you got to trust them. But uh, I, I have a similar thing, whether it's marketing or just like, Hey, you know, what should we do on our customer success or something like that? bringing in somebody from the outside to just say, here's what's going on. Maybe you have data. Maybe you don't, maybe you just are like, this is what we're seeing. We don't have any hard numbers, but this is going on and getting a, a perspective of somebody who's just fresh to it. Um, that helps a lot whenever you're trying to solve problems and like business is just constantly solving problems and, and challenges. So that's one of my favorite things to do. Another thing is, you know, just be open, like you were saying, to not necessarily know the answer and work backwards to it, but just say, OK, like there's obviously a problem at this point or this process, whether that's like we send the email like from marketing, you know, we've got a list. These look like our ideal buyer. We're making them a great offer. We put them in our drip campaign or whatever it is, and they're coming to the website, but nobody's doing anything, you know, like. Right. Right. Or it's like the conversion rate is just so low that it doesn't need, like, are we wasting our time, you know, mm-hmm. going in and just being open to like, okay, does the landing page suck <laughs> or does right. it even match up with the email? You know, like these are the basic things as marketers, like we, we kind of know to ask these questions, but you got to constantly go back and look at what you're doing and, mm-hmm. and say like, okay, we've been doing something maybe even for years and it's worked great at certain points and kind of worked, but is there something better we could be doing? Like, don't, I hate when we get into the, we've always done it this way. And even that could be a year or two years, you know, or for a longer lived organization, 10 years, like we've been doing this and and it works like, but should we be doing it? Like, I think every so often you've got to come in and you've got to ask those questions and like, Sometimes the answer is yes, like we should keep doing this. And oftentimes it's yes, but we need to adjust here and here. And sometimes you just need to be open to like, even if it's like a founder who came up with this thing and it worked at one point saying it doesn't work anymore. Like people, (laughs) people are not responding to this. Like for whatever reason, like things have changed, like it doesn't work. And being okay saying, okay, like, let's stop doing this and let's do something else and, uh, and put our resources to better use. But uh, you've got to always just be open to 
to change and figuring out what is what is actually working and what's not working but has potential to work and and what just doesn't have potential anymore it could not agree more absolutely love that and i i mean w- when you said you know well you know we've always done it this way that's got to be one of my biggest pet peeves yeah you know i think that's one of the things that there's definitely something to be said for consistency if something is working and it's still working you know optimize it but yeah by all means keep going but you're completely right and and i think i think sometimes you know that's why uh, like a new person in a marketing organization can be so effective yes because they're you know they're they're not they're not really tied to or emotionally connected to what worked in the past. Oh yeah. I, I mean, they are great whether, and like if you're in an organization that use it, like you sell a SaaS product and you use your own product, whenever you have a new employee that you're putting onto your product, you should be asking them a ton of questions about what they think, because you've got like this 90 to 120 day window when they're like brand new, and, and they're just like, ah, oh, well, I love this, but they'll be like, why doesn't it work this way? Like, I think it should work this way. And that's some of the best product research you can get, I think, because you're not like at your customer's office seeing how they use it. But if you put down your own people, whether you've got a marketing or sales product or even an accounting product, you know, just like sit down, see how your own people use your product. And you can solve a ton of problems before they they even get out to your users or maybe they've been out there and your users have just become kind of like, well, this is how it works, you know, um, and solve it and make their life a little easier. Exactly. Love so. it. All right, William, dude, this has been great. And uh, I hope uh, I hope you're able to get out and do some fishing and. Uh, and then if people want to get in touch with you and, uh, and continue the conversation, what is the best way for them to reach out? They can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Yeah. I, I, you know, I love getting, uh, you know, uh, engaging conversations from, you know, people there. So that's great. Um, also in pavilion, you know, if, if anyone's a member of that, so. Awesome. All right, William, we'll chat later, man. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And for past episodes, go to chatfunnels.com slash podcast.